On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, pre-production Cybertruck sightings are happening more and more often, thus giving me some data with which to predict a start of actual production. Plus, white hat hackers at a hacking competition successfully crack a Tesla, Giga Berlin hits a major production milestone right on schedule, and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and welcome to episode 400 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for April 2nd, 2023. Uh, I want to start with a couple of things here. First of all, I am recording this episode crazy early this week due to a spring break trip that my family's taking while my daughter's out of school. Now, I have nevertheless got a what I think is going to be a jam-packed podcast for you. But as always, if any big newsworthy things happen in between the time I record this and the time you hear it, I will cover it in, of course, full detail and analysis on next week's podcast. One thing we know that we'll have for next week's episode are the final production and delivery numbers for Q1. So place your bets now on that. Secondly, before I get started with the week's Tesla news, I did want to just take a quick moment here to reflect back now that this is episode 400. I mean, that's a pretty sweet milestone. And first and foremost, I just want to send a sincere thank you to all of you listening to this right now, whether you've been listening for four episodes or all 400 starting all the way back in August of 2015. Uh, some of my personal highlights along the way, which maybe some of this will be, you know, little little shows you can bookmark if you are a newer listener. Certainly episode 200 is the top of the list with Elon Musk back in 2019. I mean, that was, that was such a big moment for me personally. That was a big moment for this podcast. It felt like kind of a, uh, I don't know, like I'd made it, I guess, in a sense that I got Elon Musk for an hour on this podcast in 2019. And then certainly both Franz interviews, most recently episode 389, and then the first time he came on back on episode 220. And if I were ranking them just in my own head, I would rank the recent one higher because honestly, I just thought it was a more interesting conversation. Not that I'm not proud of the first one, but with the second one, we'd already built the rapport and more importantly, I had way more time with him the second time. Uh, I'd look back, episode 314 was another one that stands out. That was uh, when when former race car driver and current Tesla owner and environmental activist Leilani Munter stopped by and just told her very fascinating. I was, I was just uh, so enthralled by her life story, driving fast cars and getting into EVs and her Tesla story, it was great. Marquez Brownlee, MKBHD came and hang out uh, on episode 288. That was was a real memorable moment. Uh, Sandy Monroe, who's now been on twice as well. He's in the the two-timer club along with Franz. Sandy's first appearance was back on episode 252, and he was very recently on uh, 393 just seven weeks ago. The Unplugged Performance co-founder, Ben Schaffer, 
uh, he, I, he, he and I just clicked. I really felt like we just, uh, just were, were vibing and I've since gone to his shop and had a great time touring that. Uh, in fact, that was right after the Franz interview because they're in the same industrial complex, that, uh, complex there. So that was episode 368. Uh, Pete Gruber talked about his efforts to keep the original Tesla Roadsters maintained and roadworthy with his Roadster service shop that's down in Phoenix. That was episode 350. And then uh, just because I don't want to drag this on for any longer than I'm, than I'm already doing, one more I would mention, episode 35 means a lot to me because first of all, I'm really proud of that one. It was a really, I think at least at the time, long episode. Maybe it wouldn't seem so now. I didn't actually go back and see how long it was. But that was my so-called, you know, kind of man-on-the-street coverage of the Model 3 unveiling back in 2016, starting with my time camping out overnight to get my reservation to flying down later that day, well, later that night, to be at the reveal event and then get a test ride in the prototype. Of course, that was such a big moment for all of us. So many of us were looking forward to the Model 3 as the Tesla that many of us could finally afford. And I'm really proud of of that little time capsule that that episode has become. But all in all, it's just been such an incredible ride so far. I am very proud of the body of work that I've put together. I mean, 400 episodes, 400 weeks. I hope that I've made and continue to make some kind of positive contribution to the Tesla community. And seriously, thank you all once again uh, for listening, for just spending your time with this podcast. I really do appreciate it. Now, uh, to get revved up for this week, as the Cybertruck gets closer and Tesla's prices continue to fluctuate up and down, this week's Patreon poll, which again is open to anybody, you don't have to be backing me on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash Podcast. Usually every Tuesday night is when the new poll goes up. And again, anybody can vote in that. This, as I mentioned last week, this was a part two to last week. So last week, of course, was how much do you think the base price of the quad motor Cybertruck is going to be? This week, how much do you think the base price of the dual motor Cybertruck is going to be? And this was quite a poll, almost split dead even between the folks who voted 50,000 to 60,000 and the folks who voted 60,000 to 70,000. The latter did win this poll at 43%, 50 to 60K right behind that, 40%. Uh, 10% of you thought it would be 70,000 to 80,000. 4% said 40,000 to 50,000. And 2% of you thought it would go, the base, the dual motor, dual motor base model would go above $80,000. So thanks to all of you who took the time to vote in that. Now, uh, some more Cybertruck stuff. There's a little bit more to talk about this week. Teslarati reports that, quote, a study conducted by American Trucks revealed that about six out of 10 truck owners did not consider the Tesla Cybertruck, quote, a real truck. Uh, Paul Knoll, the marketing director at Turn 5, the operating firm behind American Trucks, told Teslarati that the Cybertruck could eventually be accepted by truckers as a legitimate truck. It just needs to prove that it could stand toe-to-toe or perhaps even exceed comparable trucks that are on the market today. Quote, 
We all have style preferences when looking for a new vehicle, and the Cybertruck has an interesting aesthetic. With the unconventional shape and interesting truck bed, some drivers may not feel like it looks like a traditional truck. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Anyway, getting back to the quote, truck drivers are used to the traditional truck body, and now that Tesla is making something completely different from what they are used to, it might just take some time to adjust. What will really matter to truck owners is how it performs. With truck, with truck drivers used to a certain body type for their trucks, Tesla may have to just let the product speak for itself. If the Cybertruck blows away expectations during testing, that will help convince those who are unsure about it. But the Cybertruck isn't just for truck drivers, it's also for people who care about the environment and want to help protect it, Noel said. Well, we will see how this survey looks in one year's time, and really again in two years' time, when the Cybertruck's really out there in two years from now. Because let's, let's be honest, pickup truck owners are nothing if not loyal. They are probably not going to instantly jump ship to any other brand than the one they've been driving, and they may have been driving that brand for decades now, and let alone one that's made a truck as unconventional looking as the Cybertruck is. But that's where the sum of the Cybertruck's parts, the hard stainless steel exterior, the range, the lower fuel costs, the torque, will hopefully start to win some of these guys over. But even if it doesn't, if the Cybertruck brings enough new people into the truck market, I would be one of them, and I know many of you out there who plan to get a Cybertruck have never had a truck before either, then it's going to be quite successful. There was another Cybertruck survey this week that I thought I would go over for you. It comes, uh, at least it was posted by Sawyer Merritt, the Tesla insider who uh, finds his name mentioned on this podcast from time to time. And it is the most anticipated EV of 2023. This is going by internet searches. And listen to this. The number one on the list is, of course, the Cybertruck. Uh, numbers two through 10 quickly, the Mercedes-Benz EQS SUV, the Jeep Avenger, the Audi A6 e-tron, Kia EV9, Lucid Gravity, BMW i5, Rolls-Royce Spectre 6, Porsche Macan EV, and number 10, DeLorean Alpha 5. Real quick, I am honestly surprised that the DeLorean's still on there because it, it hurts me a little to say this, but I just don't think that car is ever getting built. And I'll tell you the quick aside why I know this is a Tesla podcast. I'm on their mailing list. And so they've been selling reservation spots as instead of just reserving a spot like Tesla does, they've been selling them as basically like NFTs. So you could sell your reservation spot potentially for more money if somebody, you know, if the interest builds up and somebody wants it later. And they'd send out an email, they cut the number of spots in half. And they, again, this hurts me a little as a DeLorean guy, but I, it was pretty clear they were trying to spin it in a positive way by saying like, oh, better get yours now. There's only, there's only going to be half as many. That probably means they just didn't get a lot of interest because it's a $175,000 car that who knows if it's actually going to get built. Anyway, uh, to say nothing of the specs, which I've talked about and I don't think are, are worthy of the price tag, but uh, the DeLorean Alpha 5 at number 10, 
at 14,700 searches. Number one, the Cybertruck, 1.85 million searches. Number two, and I won't give the rest, this, this, this is the context you need here. So you got the 10, you got the one. Number two is the, the Mercedes-Benz EQS SUV, 231,510 searches. So um, yeah, a 9x difference between number one Cybertruck and number two. And also the Cybertruck has more searches than the rest of the list combined. So yeah, uh, that, that gives you an idea of the anticipation for the Cybertruck without a drip of advertising from Tesla. It's always fun to point out. Uh, one more Cybertruck note here before I get going with the rest of the news this week. The sightings of the beta Cybertrucks are now happening more and more often. So far in and around Palo Alto here, which isn't a surprise since that's where Tesla's engineering headquarters is. But I'm just surprised that as of yet, the sightings aren't also happening in Austin near Giga Texas. So I wonder if it's fair to read into that a little bit to say, are the beta Cybertrucks being built in Fremont rather than in Texas? Or are they in fact building them all in Texas and just shipping, because you know there aren't that many betas, right? They're they're in the probably single digits, maybe double digits at this point. There aren't there aren't too too many of them, but I wonder about that. That's just kind of interesting that we're not seeing them out in public in Austin yet, the way we are here in the San Francisco Bay Area. But we have reached the point where, with all of these sightings happening as frequently as they are we can start to look to Tesla's past in order to extrapolate a rough prediction of when production's gonna start. And when you look back on the S, the X, the three and the Y, and I've been following along for all of them, it's roughly around four months or so on average from when you get these sightings on public roads to when production actually started. So if I were a betting man, I would expect the Cybertruck launch event at Giga Texas and thus the start of production to happen sometime in July. Maybe the end of July, we'll see if it flexes into the into early August. Could still be a little earlier, but that's uh, July is is what I would start to hone in on right now. And by the way, one other good sign, although I I do admit this might ultimately be meaningless, but I'm gonna just point it out anyway. The beta Cybertrucks that have been spotted more recently have the aero wheel covers on them. And I point that out because the first wave of sightings did not have those covers on. So it just seems like all the finishing touches are on the trucks now, these pre-production trucks, which again, maybe it means nothing, but I think at, at worst it means nothing, but at best, it's a good sign that Tesla's close. They're manufacturing the, the aero wheel covers. They're testing them out, making sure they stay on the truck and probably can you know, go through deep puddles, deep water, and you know, all, all that kind of thing, and just making sure that they're made well. All, the, you know, all that stuff, all those little finishing touches, I think it's a good sign. Uh, speaking of good signs, 
A quick follow-up on last week's report from Not A Tesla App on the reported changes coming to the Model 3 in the Project Highland revamp. So a new finding from our white hat hacker friend, Green the Only, has, in my estimation, my professional journalistic estimation, corroborated a key component of that Not A Tesla App report, and effectively corroborated my own hypothesis, or at least, I guess that's not the right word, backed up my own hypothesis about, about it as well. It's in regards to the extra forward-facing cameras on the front fenders that you heard me talk about last week from that report. So Green says via Twitter, as always, now that Hardware 4 is widely available, I got some firmware samples and discovered that the shipping version is internally called 2-SOC, meaning system on chip 2, and has two possible camera layouts. The current one, which is what the SNX, the new SNXs are shipping with now, or the expanded one with added surround view cameras, front bumper, and two more. So that's what Green had to say. So it sounds like that there's a very good chance that, again, those S's and X's shipping now basically are, as I'd hypothesized last week, the equivalent of hardware 3.5. That's what I'm going to refer to it until we get a, a better term or a more official one. Because it seems like we are, in fact, going to get more cameras, three more up front, meaning these two on the repeater camera housings that are paired with the usual rear-facing repeater cameras that are on all of our cars now, as well as that lower front bumper camera that last week's report from Not A Tesla App talked about, and that same lower front bumper camera that the Beta Cybertrucks have as well. So to me, this is really exciting. Like, really, really exciting. I am so glad that it's looking now quite likely that the actual next generation of autopilot will indeed have more cameras in places that we need them in order for full self-driving to make better decisions and make them faster and safer. Good stuff there. Thank you, Green, for that. And again, tip of the cap to not a Tesla app for their report being corroborated by Green there. Uh, real quick, before the rest of this week's news, I hope all of you that are kindly backing me at the $10 a month tier on Patreon uh, are enjoying the latest of the Lightning Round mini-episodes. I actually need to record it after this. I need to do it tonight, and I'm not sure what it's going to be about yet. So that'll be a surprise. You can go... I mean, if you're already backing me, you'll get an email about it when it goes out. Uh, but for the rest of you, if you do at some point, maybe it's today, maybe it's tomorrow... Maybe it's, it's, uh, it's, it's this next week, whatever it may be. But if at some point uh, you see fit to back my efforts with this podcast via my Patreon, uh, you can do that on my Patreon page found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And again, uh, what you're doing is you're, you're pledging five bucks a month or 10 bucks a month or the tiers go higher from there and the pledge rewards stack up as well, 
that that uh, five dollar a month tier will get you early access to, to each week's episode, which in the case of this episode, you would have gotten it quite early. I think earlier than I've ever posted an early access episode for the Patreon folks. And then that $10 a month tier will get you that early access and get you access to every past, present, and future for as long as you're pledging weekly lightning round bonus mini episode. Don't forget that the annual pledges, if you want to do uh, just one pledge for the year, you get a 10% discount for pledging that way. So again, uh, find out more on my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. All right. The rest of this week's Tesla news, because gosh, I've already been talking for 20 minutes already, but there's plenty more to go. First up, Tesla has been hacked, but it's okay. It's the good kind. It's the controlled environment kind. They've been hacked at the annual Pwn to Own hacking event, which I've covered on the podcast before. And a hacking group has taken home a Tesla Model 3 and $100,000. Thank you to Tesla Roddy for the summary on this. They write, The successful hack completed by the group Synactive was initially reported by the Zero Day Initiative Twitter account, that's who puts on the event, revealing that the group had used a TOC-TOU exploit to gain access to the vehicle. Thanks to the nature of the hacking competition, the details of how the hack was performed have not been made entirely public to avoid a security risk for Tesla owners. Still, the method the hackers used was relatively straightforward. The TOC-TOU, which, as I am learning for the first time, stands for time-of-check, time-of-use exploit, involves altering internal files to gain system access. In essence, the hackers are altering the files that a system will check to ensure someone actually should have access. This could, for example, involve changing login credentials to allow yourself access. However, as the name suggests, this is highly time-dependent as it involves using the discrepancy of time between the system checking the files and a person actually being logged in. So I know, again, I've covered this event before, but I just want to say that I love that Tesla participates in this. They put themselves out there in an effort to make our cars in our garages safer and more secure. And by the way, I went and checked the organizer's website because I was curious to see if any other car companies are participating in this, and I couldn't find any. If I missed it, please let me know. You can email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. I don't want to be factually incorrect, but I could not find any other car companies that were participating in this. And in fact, there were two Tesla events. In addition to the one I just told you about, there was another in a category called infotainment unconfined route, presumably looking for ways to route access the car through the infotainment system. Now that one did not offer a car as a prize, but it did offer 150 grand, which is enough to buy any Tesla, including a Plaid S or Plaid X. So a nice, uh, nice prize there. I'd also like to shout out the participants in this, by the way, the people that did the white hat hacking. 
because these folks are out there using their talents for good to make the products that we rely upon and make no mistake, obviously we all rely upon our cars, including very much, including the security of them. Like if our cars could be hacked to either be unlocked or to, you know, there's, there's any number of doomsday scenarios you could imagine if our cars got hacked because they are always connected via cellular. They have a data connection at all times. So thank you to the white hat hackers participating in this for, for contributing to the greater good here. And congratulations to the Synactive team specifically for winning that hundred grand and winning that model three. Now the hundred grand is easy enough to divvy up between multiple people. You just divide by the number of people, but how does one divvy up a, one car amongst a team of people? I do wonder that. How's that going to go? Do they, do they rock, paper, scissors for it? I, I wonder how that goes. Anyway, next up this week, as you know, I've been passing along the production milestones for Giga Texas and Giga Berlin. Well, here's a big one for Berlin. They have achieved full volume production on the Model Y. And again, we're defining this by Tesla's own definition. Tesla announced it on Twitter writing, Giga Berlin hits 5,000 builds per week, one year after delivering the first vehicles to customers. This is huge. It's also right on schedule. So an extra tip of the cap to the Berlin team here, Tesla had forecasted approximately one year to reach volume production and Berlin, the Berlin team has done exactly that. Now, if you wanted to nitpick this, which I certainly don't because I don't want to take anything away from the very hardworking team in Berlin who has achieved this, but I guess I would phrase it this way. The only really big task left for the Berlin team, which isn't really in their control, it's been a a battery production issue, but their, their next big task, I suspect, is to switch over to the, again, as I've been calling it, the Model Y 2.0, AKA building the Model Y with the 4680 battery cells instead of the 2170s and the structural battery pack. We know that Tesla has been laying the groundwork for that in Berlin, but obviously they're not quite there as of yet. Presumably that's going to come sometime in year two, which has now officially begun. And whether that's before the Project Juniper updates go into production or not still remains to be seen. But a big congratulations goes out to the Berlin team. And it's worth noting, by the way, that Tesla now has three factories pumping out Model Ys at volume. Fremont, Shanghai, and Berlin. If you're curious about Texas, the one year anniversary of the start of production for Giga Texas, it's coming right up. It's coming right up. So we are all rooting for for Texas to do a fast follow of Berlin on this because, well, we've been repeatedly told that Cybertruck production will start once the Model Y hits volume production in Texas. The good news there is that we've seen so much evidence of the Cybertruck getting very close now, the numerous public sightings of the beta versions that I talked about at the top of the podcast, 
the new GigaPress arriving, as I mentioned last week, etc., that I don't think Tesla would stop its Cybertruck momentum to go, well, wait, wait, hold up everyone. We have to wait until the Model Y finishes ramping up to 5,000 a week before we can proceed with the Cybertruck. No, that's that's not gonna happen. This is a, this is, the Cybertruck is a snowball that's been pushed down the hill and it's a steep hill and it's gonna keep picking up momentum and keep getting bigger and faster. But anyway, uh, once all four of the current car factories reach 5,000 Model Ys per week or higher on the Model Y, because it is higher in Fremont and Shanghai, then really there probably won't be anything left to stop the Model Y from becoming the number one selling car in the world. Maybe there, maybe there is, maybe there isn't going to be enough runway for that feat to be achieved this year, but it should almost definitely happen next year at the absolute latest. So uh, that's a news story just waiting to be written. We'll see how long it takes, whether it's going to be in nine months from now or, or, uh, <laughs> or 20, what, uh, 20 something months from now. Hey, by the way, speaking of production goals, Drive Tesla Canada reports that Tesla has submitted the first application to the State Office for the Environment for the expansion of Giga Berlin. So the company intends to expand production capacity from the current 500,000 capacity to a production capacity of 1 million vehicles per year. Now the application only involves changes to the existing plant to further ramp up production, says Drive Tesla Canada. Everything that's required to increase production to 1 million cars per year will be set up in existing facilities according to the permit application. Given the troubles Tesla has had with environmentalists over water supply in the region, the automaker said this expansion will require no additional water supply. Tesla will be able to accomplish this by treatment and reuse of water during production. Well, that's really cool. And if the, you know, it's not that any of us as Tesla fans are necessarily thrilled to see environmentally minded folks protesting and, and potentially even holding up production and via, you know, through red tape or whatever means, hey, if you got to tip your cap and, and say nice job and, uh, and just yeah, give, them a, give them a nod, if in fact a little pressure from them helped Tesla figure out, you know, was forced them to figure out a way to use less water, to use the same amount of water. So that is a good thing. Now, I don't expect Tesla's gonna make a million Model Ys in Berlin. Rather, I think it's probably gonna end up being roughly half a million Model Ys in the long run, with the other half of that goal earmarked for the Generation 3 cars. I think that's probably a pretty safe bet, given the, the expected production volumes of the Gen 3 platform. Next this week, uh, the Tesla community's resident supercharger location guru, Marco, whose Twitter handle is MarcoRPTesla, has word of a Tesla partnership that's going to help get supercharger coverage in a state that is perhaps seemingly at the moment somewhat underserved in the fast charging department. And that state is Montana. Marco tweeting, a new Tesla partnership is brewing in Montana 
and it's going to be a good one. Town Pump has reached an agreement with Tesla to build superchargers in at least six locations across the state, including Kalispell, Missoula, and Butte. And then Marco even provided the exact addresses of where these stations are gonna go, if you can check out his Twitter account, if you'd like to get that exact information. And hey, let me give some kudos to Town Pump here. They are a gas station company. They are seeing the future that is barreling straight towards them. And rather than stick their heads in the sand and pretend that it's not gonna happen if they just don't think about it, they are instead placing a bet on a different kind of fuel that can help power their future as a business. In fact, one that will keep customers on site longer than gasoline does. And those customers will have more time on the premises to potentially spend more money than a quick gas station fill-up might allow for. So good stuff. Interestingly here, in addition to over 200 gas stations throughout Montana and Idaho, I looked these guys up, Town Pump also has casinos and hotels in its portfolio. So it would not surprise me at all if we end up seeing superchargers installed at some of its other non-gas station properties as well. Now maybe superchargers wouldn't make sense for a casino and a hotel, a place that you're gonna be at for longer, but maybe it's gonna be destination chargers at those casinos and hotels. I think that is very much a strong possibility. Now, honestly, I predict that before too long, here's what's gonna happen. Businesses are gonna be bidding against each other, trying to secure Tesla superchargers at their sites, particularly along interstate highways. That's where the competition will be fiercest, I believe, because the need for superchargers isn't going away. Not as Tesla aims to produce, remember, just for context here, Tesla aims to produce 10 times more cars per year in the next decade than it produces annually today, 10X. And also other automakers EVs are gonna be slowly given access to more and more of Tesla's superchargers, thus making superchargers specifically something that business owners are going to want to have on their property. So I look forward to this happening. I think this businesses are seeing dollar signs on this. At least the ones with foresight are seeing that. The final news story that I have for you this week is this one. Tesla has gotten JD Power's Home Charging Experience Award for the third consecutive year. One more tip of the cap goes to Tesla Roddy, who wrote this one up. They said, as per the findings of data analytics firm JD Power in its 2023 U.S. electric vehicle experience home charging study, whew, that's a mouthful, about 68% of EV owners today utilize a level two permanently mounted station. JD Power noted that level two portable and level two permanently mounted charging stations are utilized by 83% of EV users, though satisfaction among EV users saw a decline from 2022 to 2023 due to a variety of factors such as charging costs and charging speeds. For its study, 
JD Power measured EV users' satisfaction across eight metrics, fairness of retail price, cord length, size of charger, ease of winding slash storing the cable, the cost of charging, the charging speed, the ease of use, and overall reliability. The findings of the study showed that among the home charging systems in the market, Tesla's level two, AKA the Tesla wall power, uh, excuse me, Tesla wall connector. Let me try that again. Tesla's level two permanently mounted charging solutions are the best. This marks the third consecutive year of Tesla's dominance in the sector. Tesla's level two home charging system scored a 790 on a 1000 point scale which is representative of the electric car maker's vast experience in the EV sector. Following Tesla, if you're curious, is Grizzly, emphasizing the E at the end for electric, G-R-I-Z-Z-L-E, which scored 757 points and Emporia, right behind it at 754. It should be noted that the segment's average stood at 740 points per the study. Well, I talked about this last week, but boy, oh boy, did Tesla really get pretty much everything right with regard to charging when it first designed its chargers a decade or so ago. The superchargers, like I talked about last week, they are simple to use and they just work. And the same can also be said of the Tesla wall connectors for home use as well. I've got the V2 in on my garage wall, but the V3 of the wall connector that's been sold for the past few years, well, that's even better because you can connect to it via Wi-Fi and do all sorts of neat stuff with it. I mean, if, if I had taken this survey, I definitely would have given Tesla a very high score. I have no complaints with my wall char- charger. It's been awesome. It's been reliable. The cord is plenty long enough, even though I'm fortunate enough to have my wall connector located literally right where my charge board is when I pull into the car, pull the car in the garage, but it's just easy. It's easy and it works. That's, that's really all you're looking for. Uh, if you've got a permanent place that you're able to park your car, by the way, be it a garage or your driveway, I, to that end, I cannot recommend the Tesla wall connector enough, particularly now that it got a bit of a price cut on it. It was 500 on it for, uh, for many years. Now it's 425. So if, uh, if that is of interest, if you've got a, a good permanent spot, I definitely recommend it. All right, that will do it for another very busy week of Tesla news, but stick with me. I've got plenty of your excellent Ride the Lightning hotline calls queued up, ready to go. Looking forward to hearing from you guys right after this. Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. Welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your chance to call in and be a part of the podcast. Your questions, your comments, your discussion topics, you can call in and I would love to hear from you. Two easy ways to do that. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And then email that file to me at my Tesla email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less call and just call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll free number. You can dial it anytime you like. And that number is 1-888-989-9898. 
888-989-8752. Again, that's one 888 TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Kicking us off is James from the Bay Area talking ultra red paint. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? James from the Bay Area here with a quick question. So they have the new ultra red color exclusive to the S and the X for right now. Do you think it'll make its way to the three and the Y? You know, traditionally, Tesla likes to simplify production. So I don't see them having two different red colors for a long period of time or who knows. But in your professional opinion, how long do you think it'll take for it to get to the three and the Y? Or do you think it will ever get to the three and the Y? All right, Ryan. Great question here, James. And it will probably not surprise you to learn that I've thought about this. You are absolutely correct to point out Tesla's never-ending quest for simplification in the manufacturing process. And as such, I do, in fact, believe that this will come to the 3 and the Y eventually, thus completely replacing multi-coat red. I am of the opinion that it's being kept exclusive to the S and X right now in an effort to goose sales of those two cars any way possible. I mean, we saw that this past week where, as part of an end-of-quarter push, Tesla offered 10,000 free supercharging miles if you bought an S or an X, but they did not make that same offer for the 3 and the Y. So it would appear that demand for the S and the X is lagging a bit behind right now, further evidenced, I would say, by the price drops that we've seen on those cars recently. So to actually answer your question... I think the debut of the Project Highland revamp sometime in the second half of this year, I think that seems like a natural time to debut Ultra Red on the Model 3. And certainly if you're going to do it on the 3, you're going to do it on the Y at the same time, even if that car's Project Juniper revamp isn't coming until later. So presumably Ultra Red would also be rolled out in Shanghai at that time as well, because they're also expected to do the Project Highland revamp, which would mean, if it is, Multicoat Red would be completely retired, because in Berlin, as you know, Multicoat Red's already out. In fact, it was never in. They just never produced Multicoat Red, and the seemingly spectacular, I have not yet had a chance to behold it with my own eyes, but... The seemingly spectacular Midnight Cherry Red is the only red option for Berlin-built cars. So I guess we'll see if I'm right in another, oh, four to eight months or so. Thank you so much, James, for your call. Next up, another wonderful, familiar voice, as James is. It's Kenny from Richmond, Virginia. Hey, Ryan, what's going on, man? This is Kenny calling in from, well, now Richmond, Virginia. So, uh, yeah, it's been a little while since I called in, but I am still listening to the podcast and loving it, man. Keep up the good work. Today, I want to call in with a little bit of good, bad, and ugly. So let's start with the good. 
Man, I am getting great mileage out of my tires. I've got a 2021 Model Y, and I hear so many horror stories of people really having trouble with eating the tires up pretty quickly. I'm now at almost 60,000 miles on my original set of tires. Uh, granted, I am doing a lot of highway driving, but uh, they are keeping up. Um, just regular rotations, and everything's going well. Well, the bad, uh, I'm having problems with my driver's side seat and was wondering if anyone else in the uh, listening audience is having some of the same trouble. I've been to Tesla a couple times with it. They can't seem to figure out what's going on. But when I get in the car and it's going to my preset, my seat doesn't go all the way forward out of my easy entry when I get into the car. And then when I go to the side of the seat to try to kind of move it into the correct position, it just stops. It gets hung up. I, I don't know what's going on. So I wanted to see if maybe somebody else in the audience was having uh, trouble with that going automatically back to the preset. So, and then uh, the last thing is the ugly. And really the only ugly thing is, man, this car looks disgusting right now just because uh, here in Virginia we are getting ready for spring and the pollen is out. But the good news on the other side of that is uh, I get some time cleaning my baby up over the weekend and making it look good. So anyway, well, man, uh, wanted to call in, just say hey, check in. I hope you're doing well. Hope to hear from you soon. Thanks. Kenny, I truly mean it when I say that it's always a pleasure to hear from you. I am very glad to hear that your Model Y is continuing to make you happy. You know, you didn't mention what wheel size you have on it, but if you've got 60,000 miles on those tires, highway miles or otherwise, I would have to imagine that you've got the 19-inch wheels. If you've got 20s, please email me a quick note because that would be even more impressive. Now, secondly, regarding your driver's seat issue, Every once in a blue moon, my seat won't fully complete its movements from easy entry to my profile when I get in the car. But if I just tap my profile on the screen again, it then always finishes and gets to where it needs to go on the second try. But again, this only happens to me on really rare occasions. So if Tesla can't figure it out, I'd think they'd have to replace the seat under warranty but is it one of those situations where you can't get it to happen when the service folks have the car? Because we all have been there. I am happy to put this out there to my listeners and to your fellow owners to see if anybody else out there has run into this and perhaps has any sage advice. Good luck, Kenny, and thank you for your call. Oh, and P.S., I can relate about your car being dirty my car is filthy right now because it will not stop raining here. I'm at the point where I think I'm just going to have to wash it anyway next weekend, regardless of the forecast, just to get all of the grime sprayed off of it. Uh, anyway, thank you, Kenny. Next is Justin. Hey there, big fan. Uh, Justin here. I had a 2019 Tesla Model 3 with the radar. And we just got the update for our 2023Y for the vision-based parking. And it's, it's nice to have back. The lines seem a lot more chaotic in terms of showing the buffer around the car than they did uh, previously with our 2019 uh, Especially in the front, like you really have a lot of Boeing, like certainly in the dead spot where it doesn't really know what's going on. When we pull into our garage, which we have to really fully pull into um, almost till it's touching, it just starts making a horrible beeping sound that my wife hates, and uh, it's it's not ideal. So it almost makes you want to turn it off just because it's so loud parking uh, and 
are kind of chimes that we use, like little chimes hanging. If we know we fit the uh, the limit, I'd rather just have those versus the ultrasonic. I haven't tried the auto perk yet, but I'm sure I will soon. Once again, big fan. Thanks. Thank you very much for sharing your old versus new impressions on the Park Assist, Justin. I appreciate it. It sounds like Tesla's off to, if we could fairly say, a decent start with this, but that there's still room for improvement. I mean, that also seems to be the general consensus from what I'm reading on forum and Reddit posts from other owners like yourself who have ultrasonic sensorless cars. Let's hope that there is room for improvement and that the camera limitations on hardware three don't mean that what you just got downloaded into your car is in fact as good as it's going to get. Fingers crossed it will continue to improve. Next up, Will from Virginia. Hey, Ryan, this is Will from Virginia calling to listen to you since 2019. I wanted to make a quick comment about the Model 3 uh, standard range, now just the Model 3, I think they call it. Anyway, we used to have a 2019 uh, long-range Model 3 and then ended up having to get rid of it uh, because of some work uh, situations. And then uh, we're back in the market to get another one, and you couldn't get the Model 3 long-range anymore. They weren't selling it. This is back in December, and it's still not available, as you know. So we got the standard range, and I have to say that car is phenomenal. In many ways, so much better than the 2019 uh, long range. Uh, the uh, loading times on the screen that was starting to get glitchy, that it is so smooth. Um, just uh, other upgrades that they did do it are phenomenal. The lack of the USS is not great at all, uh, but otherwise, I'd say that car is just a really great car for the price that you have to pay for it. It is wonderful. So anyone in the market and thinking about it, I, I say don't hesitate. That car is great. If we get a little less on the supercharging, I think it caps out of like 150. Uh, but otherwise, the car is great, even in terms of the range, getting that full 100% charge. I think she's driven about 5,000 miles on that, and it's lost about one or two miles, I think. So now it tops off at 270 instead of 272. I think on that 2019 long range charging at the 90, I think it went to like 260 or something like that. So already it's got more range uh, than that car did. Anyhow, uh, one thing I did want to let people know if you are getting that car, I did see somewhere online that it doesn't come with floor mats. And I thought there was no way that could be true. And then I couldn't find where I had found that after doing some other research. Well, lo and behold, when we picked up that car, it had no floor mats. Uh, so, uh, thank goodness there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, third parties that make floor mats for that. And Tesla's floor mats were sold out for the Model 3. But I will say that the third party, uh, floor mats are a lot better. We picked up ours from Tesla Riding and they're great. Anyway, uh, thanks so much, Ryan, and look forward to listening to you some more. All right, bye-bye. I'm really happy to hear about your great experience, Will. I can't call it an upgrade, technically, but it sounds like for you guys, it is in many regards. I mean, you certainly won't hear any disagreement from me on this. You've all heard me shout from the rooftops time and again about how I think the base Model 3 is a fantastic value for the money. But you noted one of the ways that Tesla keeps their own costs down a tad, and that is from not including floor mats in the base model. And I will confess to you, I had actually forgotten that even as my wife was seriously considering buying one at a couple of different points last year before we decided to pivot and wait for the Cybertruck. But yes, sadly, Tesla has excluded floor mats from the base Model 3 
for the last few years now, and I'll be honest, I'm not defending them on this one. I think it's kind of lame, actually. I mean, I get it from their perspective. It saves them a few bucks per car, but it still stinks for customers. But uh, that aside, I wish you and your wife many years of safe driving in that car. Take care, and thanks for calling in. I've got time for one more call this week. It will be right here in San Francisco. It's coming from Dave. Hi, Ryan. This is Dave from San Francisco. And I have a question about my Model X that I have not been able to come up with an answer for. I went to the Tesla service and asked and and struck out. My Model X 2019 Raven, is feeling like I may have need to replace the shocks. It's, it seems to uh, be bouncy. And I'm just wondering if anybody, either you or anybody in the audience that would know how you can tell when you need shocks. So, yeah, uh, when I went to the Tesla uh, service center, they said, well, you'll just have to go through the app and, um, put in a service request. So, but I thought I'd ask just in case somebody knows. Okay. Thanks very much. Love your show. Bye. Dave, it's always nice to hear from you. I'm bummed to hear that it's not under ideal circumstances this time. So your Model X obviously seems far too new to need one or more new shocks. So I looked into this as best I could and a common cause of this issue could be that your X just needs a wheel alignment. Have you ever had one done on it would be the question I would ask because if not, that could very well be the culprit and that would be a nice, simple, easy to fix explanation. If you're out of warranty, which maybe you are by either the time or mileage since you said you had a 2019, if it's early 2019, I guess it's, you know, the four years is up, but, uh, I would, at that point, understand that you might not want to just pay Tesla a diagnostic fee just for them to look at it. It might be worth taking it to a tire and wheel shop to have the alignment checked. And then, if that's already good, well, then maybe you'd want to go ahead and take it to a Tesla service center at that point. Good luck to you, Dave. Thank you for calling in. Thank you to everybody that took the time to call in. I sincerely appreciate you taking the time and effort to do so. Keep your calls coming, though, and I will get to more of your Ride the Lightning hotline calls on next week's show. But stick with me for now. There is more Ride the Lightning right around the corner. Well, I finally got my new set of tires today. My last set lasted 32,000 miles, which for the 20-inch low-profile summer tires on a, on a performance model three that seems i'm pretty happy with that again certainly compared to my first set which which lasted uh what less than twenty thousand miles but in any case uh, i have to say my overall experience with america's tire on this one disappointing i already told you last week or two about having to make multiple trips down there to try and get it squared away well today i get there for my appointment they did have my tires in stock this time. That was a good start. Got them on there. Uh, unfortunately, I, I made sure to thoroughly inspect the car afterwards. 
and they scratched one of the the rims right on the outer edge of it. So, I mean, it's not super obvious, but it is there. I can see it. It's not great. I I, I stood there. I debated. It's like, do I go in and say something? Like, if I do, what's going to be the, what am I, what do I want out of it? What can they even do? They can't unscratch it. So I, it, it happened to be the wheel where there's just a little, like, chunk got taken out of it. Well, I don't know if it was from a, from a pothole or what, but there's a, just a little, a little something going on with that wheel anyway that might need a repair at some point. So because I just decided, you know what, it's, it's not worth, I'm not going to go in there. I'm just going to go home. Um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll come to regret that. Maybe they would have given me 50 bucks off. Who knows? But I decided not to, not to act on that, but at least I've got a new set of shoes on my Model 3. We'll see how long these last. And uh, and yeah, got that got that tire, got that road hazard warranty. So that if and when I pick up more nails, screws, or anything else that punctures the tires, I am covered. How about a pro tip of the week here? Something something a little happier than uh, than that story. Let's talk to John from Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, Ryan. John from Madison, Wisconsin again. Pro tip for you this week. You mentioned in last week's show that there is no longer a way to tap on the dash cam icon to record events easily. There actually is a way to bring that functionality back. Tap the three-dot app launcher at the bottom of the screen, then drag the dash cam icon to the lower left of the line of apps at the bottom of the screen. This will pin the dash cam to the screen, and you can once again quickly tap the screen to save dash cam footage, as well as using the Save on Honk feature if that is enabled. Hope that helps. Thanks for your great podcast. Thank you, John. I appreciate this one. In fact, I am using this one myself now, so thank you very much. It is handy to have it back down there all the time, very easily accessible. If anybody else out there has a good pro tip of the week that you'd like to share with me and your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, please call in and share it. You can do so by calling in just like you do with a regular Ride the Lightning hotline call. I told you how to do that a little earlier in the podcast. Okay, before I go, let me mention some friends of the podcast uh, that can hopefully be of use to you. I will start with abstractocean.com. They've got a ton of great stuff over there. Lighting kits are a big one, internal and external. They've got the tempered glass screen protectors, custom fit for your three or your Y. They've got uh, just all sorts of neat customization things, a lot of neat, smart little products. You gotta just go take a look, see what they've got. There's too much to cover in a in a quick little mention here. Abstractocean.com. Click on whichever Tesla you own and it'll show you all the products that are available for your car. And then when you've chosen everything you like, pile it all in your shopping cart. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. That's RTL Podcast, all one word, no space in there. How about snap plate? That is the front license plate bracket that I highly recommend rather than the sticky tape one that Tesla gives you. You can get your snap plate for any of the four Teslas at everyamp.com slash RTL. It'll snap on and off in seconds. When it's on, it's on securely. When it's off, it leaves no unsightly hardware behind. So uh, check it out, everyamp.com slash RTL. BudgetSafeSolar.com. 
would hopefully be, again, I would recommend it as uh, an option you take a look at in addition to Tesla Solar. Perhaps they can do a nice system for you that, you know, if Tesla's unwilling or unable to, to customize it quite to your preference, to give you quite what you're looking for, that's what happened to me. Again, no ill will towards Tesla. I totally get their approach and it just didn't work for me and, and my home and my, my wife and I's home. But in any case, budgetsafesolar.com, uh, the California Public Utility Commission, for those of you in the state of California, approving that uh, NEM 3.0, making batteries a necessity. So Budget Safe Solar can take care of your battery needs as well, if that's of interest. So reach out for your solar and or battery needs at budgetsafesolar.com and use the referral code RTL if you do choose to proceed with an order. Uh, immaculate Reflections. If you are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area with a car that you love that deserves a spa day, there's no better place to take it than Immaculate Reflections. My, you know, my neighbor that I told you about that bought a Bolt, a red Bolt, because she had her, her sights set on the red specifically, and she, she loves the red. And I have to say, I don't see the red as often. You know, there are plenty of bolts around here, plenty of EVs of all makes, but uh, the, the red does seem to be a little less common. So I'm, I'm happy for her that she's loving that red. She actually just got back, just got back from Immaculate Reflections. She did paint correction and she did paint, uh, excuse me, ceramic coating. So she did those two things and she is thrilled with, uh, with how it turned out. She was texting me. She sent me pictures of the car. Uh, so really happy that, uh, that I could refer her to Immaculate Reflections. Because again, I know anybody I refer to, that's why, that's why I'm happy to mention Jeff. That's his name, Jeff McGovern. I am happy to mention Jeff here every week because he really is super talented, very detail-oriented. He's not going to just like gloss over figuratively or literally any part of your car. The guy is is uh, an artisan. He's uh, just a, a wonderful human being as well. So anyway, if you want to do paint correction, paint protection film, and or ceramic coating on your car, take it to Immaculate Reflections. You can reach out via his website, which is irdetailing.com. And when you do reach out through the website, be sure to mention that you are a Ride the Lightning listener and you will, you will be uh, given the Ride the Lightning discount for whatever service you book. How about puretesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode setups. It's a micro SD based solution with a USB input, so it'll plug straight into your car, but that micro SD is just designed for the constant torture that the dash cam and sentry mode put it through, just that constant reading and writing. So I highly recommend it. Uh, the 128 gigabyte drive is just 49 bucks and it's shipped free. There's also a 256 gigabyte kit uh, for $69 if you'd rather go that way. Again, shipped free anywhere in the US, works with Mac or PC, and it's plug and play straight out of the package and into your car. They also sell a very nice, I would call it Super Nintendo controller inspired wireless game controller kit for your Tesla as well. So, you know, it doesn't take up as much space in your center console or glove box as say the Xbox controller does. So if that, if any of that is of interest, you can go to puretesla.com slash RTL. 
Uh, finally, the Patreon I mentioned at the, at the top of the show, but that is the way that you can choose to support my efforts with this podcast if you f- are so inclined to do. 400 episodes. I'm not sure how many that you've been listening for, but hopefully uh, if you've made it this far, you're enjoying the podcast and hopefully have been for some time. And you know that I'm going to be here week in and week out. So if you uh, at some point are willing and able to make a pledge on Patreon, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. The website again is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. The support tiers, again, start at just five bucks a month. And for that five bucks a month, you will be supporting me. And as a perk, as a thank you, you'll get early access to each week's podcast. That $10 a month tier, that one, you'll get the early access every week. And you'll get access to the entire catalog of those weekly lightning round mini episodes that I do on Patreon. There are, at least as soon as I record the one that I'm going to record after this podcast, there will be 40 of them up there. That's like the equivalent of about what? 10 hours? Because each one's yeah, probably 15. Yeah, that's probably about 10 hours worth of stuff up there. That's, that's, uh, that's not too bad. I've built up a nice little archive there by now. Anyway, uh, I'd be humbled and grateful if you do take a look at that Patreon at some point. The uh, best places to get the podcast, if you're not already subscribing to it or following it, whatever, whichever thing your podcast service calls it, please do so. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, aka the artist formerly known as iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or uh, audio only on YouTube if you just prefer to keep a browser tab open and listen via YouTube. Just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube and you should find my channel pretty quickly and easily there and you can subscribe. And uh, let's see, the email address, I think I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but if you do want to reach out via email for any reason, you can contact me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, same handle on both, and that handle is DMC underscore Ryan. And finally, let me say hello and thank you to those Patreon backers at the higher tiers. I will start with the maximum plaid tier. Thank you so much to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, HaloBengals.com, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, Adam Lavoy, ContactOneCallCenter.com, Jason Chalukas, and Travis Krenzel. Next, the Roadster in Space tier backers. Thank you very much to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, 
Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacovetto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, and Kara Weston. Finally, another thank you to the Plaid level supporters. Still uh, grandfathered in here, and I am so grateful for their continued support. George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Ish, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. I am so grateful to all of you who are kind enough to back me at any level on the Patreon. Your support is not taken for granted. Uh, 400 episodes in here. I am just so grateful uh, that you would voluntarily choose to support me here. It means a lot. All right, well, that means we have come to the end of Ride the Lightning episode 400. Uh, It's been a lot. It's been, a lot has happened in the first 400 episodes, the first seven and a half years or so of this podcast. I say, here's to the next 400, because I know I've said this before, but I'll tell you from from the bottom of my heart, I am just getting started. I really enjoy doing this podcast every week. I mean, yeah, it's it's a lot of time. It's not an it's a it's a not insignificant amount of time, but I've figured it out in my life as best I can. You know, some weeks it's you know, I have to record it at maybe a different time. Maybe I miss something like this week, but like I said, I, I've always got your back the next week. You know that. So I I don't know if can I top the first 400 episodes with the next 400 after Elon and two Franz interviews and all those cool guests that I mentioned at the top when I was kind of looking back. I don't know, but I will do my best. I promise you that much. I mean, I'll tell you, the next 400 episodes, we're going to see the Cybertruck get launched very soon. We're going to see the Roadster, I hope, in the next 400 episodes. We're going to see the Generation 3 platform cars. I mean, it is just going to be another it's going to be a fun ride it's only just getting started and i can't wait to go on that ride with you so thank you so much for taking the time out of your life out of your week it is it is uh, not an insignificant uh commitment to spend an hour plus of your week with me here listening to ride the lightning i thank you so much happy electric motoring and i'll see you back here next week I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.